Welcome to the Aliyah Day. I pray everybody is doing well. Baruch Hashem. Welcome to this wonderful uh, day, this wonderful season in which we find ourselves as we are moving closer and closer to Tisha B'Av. And may Hashem continue to give us a longing for the temple and the things of God. Baruch Hashem. I want to welcome everybody. Just looking through the list here, it looks like we have um, a great representation thus far. So far we have... Uh, uh, people watching from Texas and Kentucky and Georgia and uh, South Africa and Kansas and Oklahoma and Florida and Massachusetts and uh, Virginia. Um, we're only missing our Canadians. Our Canadian Legion, the Legionnaires from Canada, are uh, <laughs> they're 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 missing in action. They're they're not presently accounted for. So. Uh, Canada is just now waking up. So, oh wait, there's Canada. Welcome, Carol. Just as I was saying that, Carol pops on from Canada. Brukashem. That is amazing. That's wonderful. If I didn't call out your state, put it in the comments. Let us know uh, where you're watching from. What state or what country? Uh, there's Gigi, another Canadian. Brukashem. Vincent, another Canadian. Nova Scotia. Brukashem. Uh, all right, welcome Canada. Canada's here. <clears throat> Louisiana. There you go. I have family connections in Louisiana, and uh, that's wonderful. If you're watching from uh, another country, let us know. Johannesburg, South Africa. That's awesome. Welcome. Glad you are here. Baruch Hashem. One of our Germans are. Any of our, our Scots? Irish? Uh, I did get a uh, message. It's three months old because it was frozen in transition from our legionnaires, our penguin legion up there, or down there rather, in Antarctica. They want to tell everybody hello and burr. All right, so today is the um, Yom Kippur Katan. Yom Kippur Katan. So today is uh, it's, it's uh, uh, minhag to fast, meaning that it's not halacha but it's just a custom to fast until um, after Minka time. We have Yom Kippur Katan. We're preparing to go into um, the month of Av, and then tomorrow is Rosh Hodesh Av, which is the nine days. So someone asked about, on Ask the Rabbi page, if you're not on the Ask the Rabbi page, uh, the people that are on the Ask the Rabbi page are on the Ask the Rabbi page because I am for sure, for sure, for sure, no question, their rabbi. If you're not an official, like, die-hard um, member of Lapid Judaism, and I'm not your rabbi, I'm just somebody you watch to learn from, which is great, um, but that's maybe why you're not on Ask the Rabbi page not in a, a slide, it's just that that page is intended for people who want to ask their rabbi halakhic questions that they intend to follow uh, versus just rask, asking a random uh, rabbi. Uh, but anyway, I digress. So someone asked about the special meal or what should be done for Rosh Hodesh. So here is what I said to them. And... Um, because Rebbe Tzin was asking about this and talking about it as well. So, 
tonight we have a fast until after Minka, and then tomorrow begins the nine days. So the nine days we don't eat meat unless it's Arab Shabbat. Um, however, well, that provides a gap, a window. So if you wanted to have a special meal, a festive meal tonight, or this, this evening, I should say, before nightfall, and you wanted to have meat during that meal, you could to celebrate Rosh Hodesh because it's after Yom Kippur Kitan and it's before nightfall for the first of the, the for the uh, first of Av. So you could have a meat meal in that in that window. Now it's interesting about this is that right before Tisha B'Av and also before Yom Kippur, we also have a festive meal right before we start the fast. So immediately before we start the fast on Yom Kippur and Tisha B'Av, we have a festive meal. And it's considered a mitzvah to do so, contrary to what might be popular thought, that having that festive meal uh, is actually counted as part of the fast. So you could make a similar argument that having a meat meal right before we don't eat meat would actually be considered part of not eating meat. It's interesting. It's how God works. Uh, things are not always uh, like they uh, seem. Uh, so uh, Yom Kippur Katan, the 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 um, prayers for Yom Kippur Katan. Pardon my reach. I'm gonna reach across my desk over here and grab this pamphlet. So if you have this pamphlet, the Yom Kippur Katan pamphlet, you would say this. You would say these prayers during Minka, during your Minka prayer time, and then you would conclude the fast after uh, that time. Uh, so Baruch Hashem. So hopefully that makes sense to everybody, and that's great. <laughs> Nicole. Emphasis on intent to follow. <laughs> That's cute. All right, so Baruch Hashem. Um, can we say Yom Kippur Katan at any time during the hours of Minka or only at sundown? No, it's during Minka. During Minka. During your Minka prayer time. So not at sundown, but at Minka time. Um, so you you actually, these prayers for uh, Yom Kippur Katan kind of fall in between your normal Minka prayers, if you will. So, Baruch for that. All right, so uh, we're going to go to our Chumash. Our Chumash, uh, page 945. Page 945. Yes, you can download it. And the link, I think, is also on the Ask the Rabbit page, if you happen to be on that page. It's a secret page. The secret page. No one knows about it. Anyway. All right, 945. And uh, we are on uh, page 1. And we're going to begin reading in, in uh, verse 22, which is the third reading of our Torah portion. Capitulo 1, verso 22. Para mis amigos, Sephardi. Here it is. All of you approached me and said, let us send men ahead of us. Let them spy out the land and bring word back to us, the word on which we should ascend uh, on on which we uh, which we should ascend and the cities to which we should come. The idea was good in my eyes, so I took from you twelve men, one man for each tribe. Uh, it says here. They turned and ascended the mountain and came into the valley of Eshkol and spied it out. They took it in their hands from the fruit of the land and brought it down to us. They brought back word to us and said, Good is the land that Adonai, our God, gives us. 
but you did not wish to ascend, and you rebelled against the word of Adonai, your God. You slandered in your tents and said, because of Adonai's hatred for us, did he take us out of the land of Egypt to deliver us in the hand of the Amorite to destroy us? To where shall we ascend? Our brothers have melted our hearts, saying, A people greater and taller than we, the cities great and fortified to the heavens, and even children of giants have we seen there. So, there's an interesting discussion, by the way, by the Chazal, or by the commentators, I should say, because it says that you slandered God in your tents. However, we read in the Torah that they made their their proclamation about the land, they made it publicly. So there seems to be a, a discrepancy. Did they make it publicly, or did they go into the tents, in other words, behind closed doors, and spread lies? The answer is yes. They made the first proclamation publicly when they said, the land is a good land, but the people are giants, they have uh, machine gun nests everywhere, they have minefields, uh, we can't get there because they have intense radar, all those kinds of things. But when they went into the tents, they slandered the land publicly, and they basically said, we can't do it. But when they went to the tents, that's where they said that God hates us. That's why he's doing this to us. God hates us. That's why he brought us to this point. Why? The whole point of salvation is that God hates us and he wants to take us, uh, he wanted to bring us here rather, so that we would be destroyed. So this is the slander that they're saying behind closed doors. God hates us. Hasvishalom. So it says, Then I said to you, do not be broken and do not fear them. Adonai your God who goes before you, he shall make war for you like everything he did for you in Egypt. Before your eyes and in the wilderness, as you have seen, that Adonai your God bore you, as a man carries his son on the entire way that you traveled until you arrived at this place. Yet, in this matter, you did not believe in Adonai your God, who goes before you on the way to seek out for you a place for you to encamp with fire by night to show you the road that you should travel and with a cloud by day. And it's really remarkable, even unbelievable, that people would say, would go behind closed doors and lie and say, uh, you know, God hates us. It's even more unbelievable that people would believe that. And until we reach this time in my life where I see people believing propaganda, um, and just where, where in our day and age, which you turn on the nightly news and listen to what people say, uh, it, it really is true that good has become evil and evil has become good. That, uh, it's just, it's just, it's just, I don't know what to say. I don't have the words. And so when I read these kinds of stories, I think how in the world could they believe that God hated them and, and how could people have the audacity to go about saying this slander in the tents? But now, now that I'm, I'm living in this day and age, I think, huh, of course, easy. I, I, I see it every day. I watch it every day.
I watch it unfold. It's, it's, it's disheartening. That's true. That's why we have to make sure, ladies and gentlemen, that we don't join in the propaganda, that we don't, that we become critical thinkers. Most people, by the way, lack, well, there's several things that lack common sense, the use of logic, um, uh, the, using statistics. You know, they say statistics don't lie. Um, but a lot of what people lack these days is critical thinking. And this can be applied to virtually anything in life, to include theology, politics, uh, morality, critical thinking. Be able to look at things critically for yourself and not believing uh, the hype. But that's what we see. We, we, we fall. We see what's uh, unfolding here. We see it in our own, our own time. So we say... Uh, Let's see. Adonai heard the sound of your words, and he was incensed. And he swore, saying, If even a man of these people, this evil generation, shall see the good land that I swore to give to your forefathers, except for Caleb, son of Jephunneh, he shall see it, and to him shall I give the land on which he walked unto his children, because he followed Hashem wholeheartedly. Notice it doesn't say that he followed Hashem perfectly. But he said it's, he followed Hashem wholeheartedly. I follow Hashem wholeheartedly. Um, uh, this is the thing. We don't have to follow Hashem perfectly. But we just have to make sure that Hashem is foremost in our hearts. And as long as we're doing that sincerely... Um, then we will do that. We will have success is the point I'm trying to make. So it says, With me as well, Hashem became angry because of you saying, You too shall not come there. Yehoshua, son of Nun, who stands before you, he shall come there. Strengthen him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit it. Baruch Hashem. So that's the end of our reading. So we see, uh, this reminds me that... When we're, we're wanting God to send the third temple. I say build the temple, but, but really the third temple is going to come because of Mashiach. And it's going to come out of Shemayim. So it's really not going to be built in the way that we understand it to be built. Uh, but in any case, we're praying at this time for God to send the temple. And the reality this is, is that because we long for that and because we're participating in the message and the the customs of these three weeks, God is going to merit that our eyes should see the coming of the temple. Now, it may happen in our lifetime, and I pray that's the case. But it also will, it could also happen at our resurrection. In either case, our eyes are going to see the temple. Why? Because we long for it. Because God said, listen, you don't want my land. You don't long for it. You don't really want it. So therefore, you're never going to see it. Not this generation. The next generation will, though. Because they're going to long for it. Um, I want to read something first and foremost from Rabbi Monk here. that says in verse 12, How can I alone carry you? And the question here is, Aka, how? This is interesting. I, I, I have this, this uh, drop, and then I want to read something from... Um, Akidat Yitzhak. 
because we have the word Eka. Eka asher levadi. And Eka is, is the name of the book of Lamentations. In Hebrew, we call it Eka. Why? Because the word Eka means, how could this be? How could this be? Like, how could this happen? Um, and it's interesting to me, God's perfect timing, his perfect orchestration. Um, and here we have, in the season in which we're going to be reading the book of Lamentations and Tisha B'Av, and we're looking at the loss of the temple, and we are crying out Acha here in the parasha Devarim that we're reading during this time. We have Moshe say Acha Asher Levadi. How can I carry you alone? And this is what Rabbi Monk says: the question Acha how invokes man's age-old tragedy that is his sinful nature, which is the source of all his. Troubles. All of these troubles we see in the world right now are uh, caused by sin. And this is why, uh, it, by the way, you know, I mentioned my dream uh, on the Aliyah that I had, and I didn't think that much of the dream in terms of, of um, any type of prophetic message or anything like that. But then Rebetzin received a call from one of our members who had basically an identical dream. And so that piqued the curiosity of what is Hashem possibly saying to us. And uh, the idea was is that Hashem is saying to us that we need to spend these days of prayer, uh, days of teshuva, um, with more of a focus on uh, seeing our community set free from sin. Because sin, and, and, by, and remember that, that sin is Torahlessness. Sin is not following the Torah. Um, just to put it bluntly, this, this will be shocking to your ears, I'm sure, because we've been conditioned to think otherwise. But eating pork is a sin, ladies and gentlemen. Eating shrimp cocktail is a sin. Not wearing seat if you're a man is a sin. You know, these kinds of things, right? Not keeping the Sabbath is a sin. We have to understand this reality. Not celebrating the festivals is a sin. It's not just an oopsie. It's a sin. And the world is perishing right now. It says in the book of, of, of Hosea, My people perish for lack of knowledge because they've forsaken my Torah. I've forsaken them. That's what it says. So we're wondering why all this nonsense. We're wondering, it, you know, is it the Illuminati? Uh, is it uh, 5G towers? Is it the conspiracy, conspiracy, uh, deep state? No, it's sin, ladies and gentlemen. It's not all that nonsense. Are there bad actors in the world uh, that have uh, agendas? Of course they do. But how are they energized? Through sin. Through sin. So we need to be praying Hashem should wake us up because all of our troubles come from sin. And so we are responsible to be davening that Hashem should break the power of sin, which is Torahlessness, in people's lives. 
People we don't even know. People we don't even know. And, um, you know, I, I know, I, I, I know, I, golly, I'm, I, I, I don't even want to say what I'm about to say because there's somebody out there that's going to get their feelings hurt and they're not going to like me and, you know, who knows what all, but like, I want to say this, okay? If you're, if you're not coming to shul because you're scared of COVID, stop. Stop it. Okay? Stop it. In my opinion, we're playing into the fear. In my opinion, that's not how you defeat something like this. And, uh, you know, we just, we've got to break, we've got to break this spirit that's, that's uh, on us right now. All right probably going to be people mad at me for that. Oh, Rabbi, I have to be careful. Uh, okay. Uh, people that do think great things are not careful. Um, but there's that. But anyway, the main thing is we need to be praying for the, 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 the sin be broken off of people. I didn't say be careless. But life is risky, right? People that build big enterprises, they don't do that because they're careful. It's called risk. And um, I just, you say, well, it, uh, is it bother you? Well, I mean, it, we're fine. I mean, you don't come here, it's fine. We're still, everything's great, okay, in terms of functionality. I, it's, I'm not really concerned about, uh, I'm concerned about you. It's really not about me, it's about you, actually. And it's about the greater good of the world. If you're staying home, you're not coming to, to synagogue because you're scared of COVID, please stop. You're staying home scared of a virus that even if you, if, capital I-F, bold, underline, if you get it, you will not die. You say, Rabbi, how can you say that? It's called statistics. My goodness. You say, well, Rabbi, I've got underlying condition. I've got this, this serious thing. Okay, okay, okay. If that's you, okay, that's something else, okay? But, I mean, if you have type O blood, you're like immune anyway. I've just never been a scared person. And I don't mean to be offensive to anybody. But, okay, I'm going to stop. Okay, thus, it is a reflection of Hashem's call to Adam after this, the first sin. Eka, where are you? The Zohar points out that the word is echoed again at the first word of the book, Lamentations. Eka, Yashva, Vadar, Ha'ir, how the city lies desolate. The book is read on Tishba'av. And is always in the same week when the Sidra is read. Indeed, the great question of the Tisha Av is, where are you in life? That is our question. 
Where are you in life? Where are you in life? I have the attitude of a coach, the attitude of a drill instructor. I am always going to push you. I'm going to push myself. I'm going to push you. I'm going to make you jump off and repel down the wall. I was scared of heights when I was in the Marine Corps. And I got up to the repelling tower, and you have to put the back of your heels off the, off the end of this. I don't know how tall it is. It's tall. I don't know how tall. I don't remember. You have to put your back of your heels, and you basically have to fall backwards. You've ever done it? Some of you have done it. Put your heels back there, and you fall backwards. When I got up there, I was scared. Obviously, I looked, I looked terrified in my face. The drill instructor, you know what he did? He gave me a kiss, gave me a hug, pat me on the head. Don't worry, little boy. It's going to be okay. You don't have to do it if you don't want to. It's fine. Want to do it? Great. Don't want to do it? That's fine. You let me know. You tell me what you want to do. Is that what he said? No. <laughs> he told me to stop acting like a little girl, to put the rope around me. He went over the instructions, maybe repeat them back to him. He said, put your heels on the thing. I put my heels on the thing. He said, if you don't do this, I'm going to push you off. So guess what? I did it. I got down to the bottom. The drill instructor on the bottom said, were you scared? I, stupidly, I said, sir, yes, sir. He said, do it again. Everybody I just had to do it one time. So I got back up there, did it again, got to the bottom. This time, the drill instructor didn't ask me. He just looked at me. He said, do it again. Three times I did it. By the time I did it the third time, I was enjoying it. You know why? Because he pushed me out of my fear. Now I was having a good time. I wanted to go do it a fourth time. He told me, shut up, get back in the line. All right, so, but had he coddled me and kissed me and just stroked my head and told me I was okay, I could choose not to, I would have never done it and I would have never worn the eagle of an anchor. All right, so it says here, Aka, where's my, where is my, uh, is this it? No, I'm missing, I'm missing a book. Ah, here it is. Aka, Midrash Aka, Rabbah, relates in the name of Rabbi Levi, three people used the term Aka, Moshe, Isaiah, and Jeremiah. This could be understood by the following parable. A lady of substance had three intimate friends. One of the friends knew her when she was at the height of her beauty and wealth. The second friend knew her while she was committing all manner of excesses, overindulgences, etc. The third friend knew her only when she had already fallen into disgrace. Thus Moshe saw Israel at peace in a high level of spirituality. Yet he proclaimed, How can I alone carry the burden of your quarrels? Isaiah, who knew Israel at a time when she committed all kinds of excesses, proclaimed, How, Acha, has she become a harlot? And Jeremiah, who knew Israel in disgrace, proclaimed, How lonesome, lonesome, and isolate has she become. These are the three Achas we, we see in Scripture. Now, um, there's a lot to be said about a rebuke, the rebuke that Moshe gives uh, the people of Israel. And it says here that in the Kehel Tumash, 
Thus, even while rebuking the people, Moshe was careful to vindicate them. This is because he understood that rebuke or punishment is not an end unto itself. Rather, its purpose is to improve the recipient. The purpose is to improve the recipient. The reason the drill instructor told me that he was going to push me off the, the stupid uh, 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 repelling tower uh, was not because he hated my guts. It wasn't because he was being mean. And it wasn't because he was going to enjoy my demise. The reason he said, do this or I'm going to push you off, is because he wanted to see me improve. Similarly, we should realize that the purpose, the divine rebuke we are present, presented in, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Similarly, we should realize that the purpose of the divine rebuke we are presented enduring is to elevate us to a higher level of divine conscience in preparation for the imminent redemption. Because God's presence is so hidden during exile, it is especially hard for us to behave consistently in line with our inner beliefs. We are therefore forced to occasionally rebuke ourselves or each other. Nevertheless, we should take care not to speak disparagingly and it goes on to say that we shouldn't be careful that we don't embarrass people. That we don't humiliate them, embarrass them in our rebuking. And with that, I want to conclude with one interesting insight from an unlikely source. And this is the history of Robert E. Lee. Reading something about him yesterday, and he was just, Robert E. Lee is one of the best humans that ever walked the planet. I'm just telling you that for sure. If you don't know about that, don't don't believe anything you hear in the media about Robert E. Lee. He was one of the most upstanding human beings uh, ever to live. And I, I'm, I don't mean that. I mean that in, in total sincerity. Robert E. Lee was one of the greatest generals to ever command in the field. Um, he was a genius on par with Napoleon and, and others. And yet... He was the most humble man. So we just talked about an insight that said, don't embarrass somebody in the rebuke. What's interesting is that Robert E. Lee's first action, his first command in battle, was really a disaster. He was, it was a defeat. But in reality, um, the reason it was a defeat, Jefferson Davis relates this because Lee told him privately, the reason it was a defeat is because his commanders just simply didn't obey his orders. And so everything was a disjointed mess. And so he came back to Richmond after that, and he suffered all types of bad press, humiliation. Everybody's saying he's overrated, he's terrible. But he knew the whole time that really it was because these two particular uh, subordinates of his um, just failed to act and they failed to coordinate and it was it was really their fault. But Lee never said a word. Even though he was being maligned, writing things in the newspaper about him that's terrible, he never said a word. Why? It says here, yet through all this, with a magnanimity rarely equaled, he stood in silence without defending himself or allowing others to defend him, 
for he was unwilling to offend anyone who was wearing a sword and striking blows for the Confederacy. In other words, he did not want to embarrass these subordinates. So he allowed himself to be maligned. He allowed his own character and his own ability and skill to be questioned only because he did not want to embarrass his subordinates. And of course, he went on to be one of the greatest generals to ever live. And uh, it's no small part to his character. End of our Aliyah today. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. Don't be scared. We've America is a great country. We're the greatest country. And we did that because we are the home of the home of the free and the home of the brave, the land of the free rather, and the home of the brave. Not because we're, it, it, it doesn't say we're the land of the free and the home of the cautious, the land of the free and the home of the careful, the land of the free and the home of the uh, kind of uh, sensitive. We're the home of the free, <laughs> the, the land of the free rather, and the home of the brave. All right, see everybody tomorrow. Have an easy fast. And uh, sh Shalom Aleichem and Rosh Chodesh Tov.